0: Well, hi everybody! Welcome to Stratosphere Lounge. I'm your host Bill Whittle, and the uh, live comment section is uh, is alive with chatter. We just showed um, chapter one of the uh, animation I've been working on for seven, eight months now. I guess uh, it is um, really fun. It's 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 really getting there, and feeling uh, very good about it. The response has been pretty good. If you're if you're tuning in now, we will run it again after. The show is over, but we will not record it, so if you're watching this on YouTube, um, you're out of luck. Uh, I don't really want to go out with it just yet. Um, it'll be available to the public soon, I would say, certainly, certainly within a month, uh, and and almost certainly without, uh, virtually certainly before uh, Thanksgiving for, for members. So um, just to uh, talk a little bit about this, because we just, as I say, we're just... Uh, just watch it we'll watch it again uh, at the end but um what i just aired was the uh, the first chapter of that um probably 25 30 minute animation that i'm calling d is for dungeon uh and um we got the mix in we got the audio music sound effects all that stuff and it's looking looking pretty good it, it just pretty much stands on its own i'm very very happy with it i'm especially happy with it for it being the result of one guy uh, in his spare time so um, here's what we're going to do uh, this is for those of you obviously didn't even see the animation but just so you know what's coming up um, after the show is over tonight I have a conference call with uh, with Alfonso and uh, and Jeff Mark, who's producing this with me and we're going to set up a time for the table read so Uh, next week, I'm I'm virtually positive next week, we're going to do a Zoom recording of uh, the table read of the entire show. Uh, I'll get to that in a second. Eric, just ask me again if I forget. Uh, So that means that we'll be able to uh, have that out. So here's here's how I plan to kind of unroll this thing. Um, I'm going to have a finished chapter one. Which I think looks pretty good, um, and we're going to have a, a table read of the entire script, including uh, the first part that that's already got the animation finished because we need to lay in. Uh, we'll eventually need to lay in the uh, higher quality recording. This one has essentially scratch tracks because we haven't recorded the, the final audio yet. But then what I'll have is I'll have the chapter one thing, and I'll have a table read of the script. Both of those will be available to see for members only. We, I don't want to go out public with this yet. Um, that hopefully will um, convince the the members who've heard me talking about this stuff on and off for years now uh, of what it is we're actually trying to do. And I, I really think it does look very professional. You'll get a chance, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll get a chance to see it uh, yeah, pretty shortly. And then here's here's a little problem, and this is where I think the timing is gonna is gonna come in. Um the first chapter is essentially an exposition chapter. Uh, it's about six minutes and 25 seconds. It's uh, it, it introduces the two characters, uh, Sir William and Prince Alfonso. And uh, And I think it's a, a really good solid opening. But the problem is, uh, in terms of taking it out to people who, who don't know anything about this twofold, Number one, all of Chapter 1 takes place with our helmets on, and so you can't really see how good the metahumans can be. Uh, that, that's a, the, the humanoids uh, that they have for Unreal Engine that we're animating this in, animating this in Unreal Engine 4.26. Uh, I did a bunch of shots where I did big close-ups on the helmets because both of us just wearing helmets with just little slits. But when you see the eyes, they really, really, really look good. They really look good um so uh yeah i'm prince william i'm sorry i'm sir william of the white hill and he is prince alfonso of the inland empire a little joke for those of you in the los angeles area Uh, so one problem is that is that it doesn't show us without the helmets on and the second problem is with the exception of the flames showing you the this this horrible nightmare place is actually Democratic Party headquarters, there's not actually anything political in it and since the whole purpose of this is political satire when I go public with this to try to get uh, you know, do another membership drive I need to be clear about how that will work. I don't want to make the table read public because of, because of spoilers um, So uh, what I'm going to do next like starting tomorrow is i'm going to go through the script and i'm going to find three or four places where one or two lines show what this thing's about there's one place for instance early in the script where uh this this just this howling mob of orcs comes running and i say zoe's been there before that'll become clearer as we go on and i say uh uh, what are these uh ill-favored creatures you know, say they're antiphids, They have the countenance of crocodiles and the hearts of hamsters, and and so that, and maybe one with uh, with Pelosi, who I've got a I've got a great, great, great model, uh, 3D model of this zombie nurse with the, you know, with the with the white eyes, and she's wearing a mask, and there's blood everywhere, and she's gonna be floating there. A line or two about Pelosi. A line or two in the final uh, chamber. With this gigantic fossilized mummy with uh, Joe Biden talking about the hair on his legs echoing through this ossuary with all these skeletons kneeling on the ground before him and that kind of thing so I'm just going to simply do three little scenes three or four little scenes to show how the satire works Uh, and then I had a really idea I liked an awful lot what gonna, the way I'm going to handle this is, I'm going to show the first chapter, which I just showed. Then I'm going to show a scene from inside the dungeon. It'll just be like a, a cut to it. And we'll both be um, wearing our... Uh, we won't be wearing our helmets, so you'll see us in there in some, some location. And he'll have a line, and then I'll, I'll say a line, and it's one of these Shakespearean curses. You know, you get the, the, the mewling onion-eyed... Bit line! And then somebody off camera will say, "Muling onion-eyed pigeon egg." You that thou muling onion-eyed pigeon egg. Cut. you somebody say cut. Ring rings, and then um, you'll hear the voice off camera. This is all animated, obviously, it's all inside the frame, and you'll hear this. Okay, uh, next setup, and and somebody will hand Zo a you know a, a Starbucks. And, We'll turn towards the camera, we'll, we'll back the CG camera up, and as we back the CG camera up, you'll see lights and and cameras, and it'll look like like we're on an actual set. That'll allow Zoe and I to, to say, hey, here's what we're working on, and um, and here's just a couple of, of scenes, and we need some help to get this thing finished, so we'll turn it into a membership pitch. There's a little wrinkle I put in here, like very much, just a lot. Um when we do that pullback from us in the dungeon and you see somebody rolling the, the dungeon wall away, it's, it, it diffuses it, you know? It makes, it makes fun of it kind of lighthearted. And I, I realized what would be really kind of fun would be uh, while we're talking to have... We got this, in the, in the first chapter, we got this gigantic lycanthrope. Really scary-looking monster. He's nine feet tall. And all he does is growl. And what I thought would really make this fun would be um while zoe and i were talking and making this pitch about you know hey we need you know love to get new members so we can you know finish this thing i'd like to have him walking through the through the background you know just seeing up to his elbows basically he's got a coke or something and uh and i say hey, brand brand come here and then just have him like lean in and said hey, brand here is uh brand Bran played the Lycanthrope. he's been playing uh lycanthropes and werewolves in hollywood for what now 20 years, 25 years, he's a solid conservative. It's uh, its not easy being a conservative in Hollywood. What is it, Brandon? Well, he's doing a good job, and we're real proud of him. And, and, and then off camera, we're gonna hear a voice go, let's go, Brandon! And he's gonna go, rrr, 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 rrr. just shuffle off. A little inside joke, but you can't go wrong with um, with, uh, with, you just can't have too many let's go Brandon references. So um, that's what we're going to go out to the public with, and I think we'll do that in January. I think that's a reasonable time. So uh, here's the next step uh, for members. Um, Members will get the Chapter 1 animation, and they'll get the, uh, the table read, so they get to hear the whole script. And that's just fun. We're gonna be we're gonna be recording every aspect of this process to get people get the members involved with it. It's got to be for for members. We need to get more members so that we can make stuff like this go out there for the public. So we'll record the table read. Members will get that, so they'll get to see that and the whole script. Uh, I certainly have no intention to ask the members to do anything more than what they're doing already. But since they'll get a look at it. Three, four, two, three months before everybody else, if they want to hit the, uh, the you know the, the uh, PayPal tip jar to, to help us you know put some cash in there, that's how we're basically paying for this thing, um, that would be great. And then come January, I think when we have that whole thing finished, the completed first chapter, including the sound of the music and everything, uh, the scene where we break the fourth wall and come back, couple of scenes, and then we just, Zoe and I turn to the camera and say, hey, we just think this is the way to get conservative principles across. The models we've got, the model for Zoe looks so much like, it looks more like Zoe than Zoe does. Um, I, uh, um, Mine's a little a little off, but I need to do a little more work with that. Uh, Brooke College Student says, how many more members do you need to hire a full-time animator editor and do this stuff more often? Uh, that's, a, that's the question um the uh, this took quite a long time a very long time because it was done by yours truly in between you know anywhere from eight to ten political videos every single week um, there's a way to do this with online talent but ideally there's nothing better than having people in the same place we certainly have room in the studio for that uh, one other thing, and I know this is hard for you on, on uh, watching on YouTube because you didn't see the thing I just showed, but I kind of did that on purpose because I'm kind of trying to drum up interest in it. You know, I kind of want you guys anxious for it. Uh, we, um, one of the reasons this took as long as it did to get it there was, first of all, I was learning Unreal Engine. And that's useful. Uh, although I didn't have to learn things like camera placement, and I've been working as a director since I was sixteen. So I'm, I'm real pleased with how that, that Chapter 1 animation looks from a camera and editing point of view. Uh, but the thing that by far took me the longest was uh, I did get a, a motion capture suit. I haven't been very happy with it. I think the data was a little sketchy, and putting it on and getting these things in place is really tough. So I've ordered a, a new suit. I've ordered a Rococo suit. Uh, because of the chip shortage, it won't be here till January. But everything in that opening chapter and stuff that we're going to be doing next too had to be done um, as uh, a, by taking a series of stock animations, and I've got about seven or eight thousand of them, and going through all of these things and trying to find an animation that was more or less like what I needed. I couldn't just act out what I needed. If I had to walk, I would have a walking animation and then I had to blend that into a stopping animation. Then I might have a pointing animation and I had to go find that and so on. When we get the suit and we can just simply act it out, that's great. And if we can get a new, enough new members from this, we get a second suit uh, and then we, um, then we can just do the whole thing live. And as I mentioned last time, uh, one of the things that we're gonna be seeing uh, real soon um, is uh, when I get that that suit um, we will be able to uh, I'll be able to do the, the prince uh, the, the the Sir William character for example I can do the stratosphere lounge in real time live with me just sitting here and um, and it'll go out as him uh, the, the the suit I've got is a two thousand dollar roughly two thousand dollar perception neuron suit. Uh, the Rococo suit's about four grand. Um, anyway, uh, that's it for the animation plans. Uh, I've got a uh, moving back to America that I haven't edited yet. I've, I shot it on Tuesday. I like it very very much. Um, it's called the Second Fleet. It's uh, a look at uh, three times in history when sneak attacks have caused the People being attacked to believe that it's game over but they didn't surrender they they held on and um and if and i think that's exactly what's happening in the culture war i think they i think that we i think that uh november 4th of uh, 2020 was pearl harbor it was a sneak attack on this country we were not We we knew they were building up their forces. We knew we'd been watching them mass their forces for years and decades now. But the level of cheating that went on that night, plus the whole pandemic thing, um, uh, I just think was a sneak attack, and we've been stunned ever since then. But in any event, uh, the three examples I chose, the uh, Ludendorff uh, uh, offenses from World War I, um, Hitler invading uh, the Soviet Union in World War II, and the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor in World War II. All three of those uh, sneak attacks, overwhelming sneak attacks that caused the the victims, the Allies in the first case, the Russians in the second, the Americans in the third, to run around with their hair on fire, convinced the war was lost for months. I think that's exactly what happened, and I think that's how we reacted. But we didn't. But we didn't. Um, we didn't surrender, and that's the entire point. Those sneak attacks are designed to get you to surrender. Japan could never defeat America. The idea of Japan occupying America is insane. Uh, The idea that that, uh, Hitler could have occupied Russia is insane. And the idea that the Germans could have occupied all of France and Britain is insane. They had to overwhelm them, scare the living daylights out of them, and then get them to surrender. And I think that's what we've been looking at. And and you can feel the, the, the defenses are... Are stiffening. We could just feel it. it. Just they they didn't have the money. They didn't have the uh, the troops to to cause us to surrender. They scared the living crap out of us, and they damaged and destroyed a lot of stuff. And they're not finished with that yet. But th- once that offensive is over, then uh, then you're then you got nothing left. Then the momentum switches, and you know, pretty much just gave you the whole show. You'll get to see it uh, tomorrow. Uh, yeah, somebody said the Virginia thing was like um, midway. I think the the Virginia win was more like the Doolittle raid, uh, not of enormous consequence, but certainly an indication that you can strike back. Well, I, I think the um, the one the one takeaway that I got from the Virginia thing, uh, compared to where I was this time a year ago, November 11th of 2020, week after so-called election. Um, after seeing all the shenanigans, I, I remember thinking, and I'm sure you remember thinking too, uh, that, well, we'll never, that we will never win an election again. They built the cheating into the system, and, and the, the more of a lead we have, the more of a cheating it does. Uh, Virginia was a big deal. The left was all in on that, and and I have no doubt whatsoever there's all kinds of shenanigans going on there. However, um, However, what what Virginia showed me, uh, and as somebody else pointed out, New Jersey was very close. It cons- was a Democrat, but a you know uh, a law and order police guy Juan in New York. He'll turn that town around. Uh, what what Virginia showed me was that if if there's if there's enough of a win, then they can't cheat it. That it has to be pretty much. Overwhelming. I know there was cheating in Virginia. Somebody sent me an email the day of the election saying that I, I don't have this verified. Uh, but somebody said on the day of the election in Virginia, the single largest Democratic uh, precinct just wasn't reporting. And general consensus was uh, it wasn't reporting because it didn't know how many votes it had to um, create in order to get the win. And I suspect that what happened to them was that they realized that they can't have this one precinct have three times the number of people that were in the precinct, that the margin was too big for them to cheat. Uh, Every county um, in Virginia, every county went Republican compared to where they were in 2020. And that's because a year ago, uh, Joe Biden was... uh, former vice president. And now they know what they got. And no matter how well the press shields him, the press can't shield the American people from $4 gas and can't shield them from inflation. And it's going to get worse and worse and worse. 2022 will be um, a big deal. And then if if we can recover the presidency in 2024, then we will have two years to fix the electoral system, which to me is more important than the wall or anything else. Uh, let's see, uh, Cody McArthur says, "Bill, now that, the lost, now that they lost in Virginia, they're going to take that as evidence that they need to go overboard on the cheating. And that's going to mean they're going to be on edge and making mistakes. Yes, not only making mistakes. I'll say something about this too. This is one of the lines I used a lot today. In this, uh, I mean, on Tuesday in this uh, this moving back to America called Second Fleet when." When Hitler invaded Russia, within the first two or three days, they, they, they moved so fast, they, the entire Red Air Force was destroyed on the ground. The Russians just couldn't believe it was happening. I think they destroyed something like 15,000 aircraft in the first two or three days. And when the first wave came in in Pearl Harbor, multiple reports of these planes coming in low under the radar And having the japanese pilots looking down at kids playing baseball or or housewives hanging up laundry and 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 waving at them waving and smiling when they first started dropping bombs in the harbor most of the naval personnel military professionals thought that it was a training exercise because as i said in the show i'm giving you the whole show but as i said on the show i know that sensation from the morning of september 11th you simply cannot believe it's real it can't i cannot believe it's real um So, my point about this and my point about them cheating is this, and and about what happened in in 2020. You get one sneak attack per war, right? You get get one sneak attack uh, of that magnitude. Uh, The day after Pearl Harbor, you couldn't fly over... Uh, Hawaii in a in a Japanese airplane uh, and and not get shot at in fact after Pearl Harbor the Japanese didn't get within 500 miles of Pearl Harbor that was it they got their sneak they they got their damage brilliant success tremendous damage but um, uh, you get one of those so reason I bring that up is when 2022 rolls around and especially when 2024 rolls around They will not be able to do what they did in 2020. If you think that there's two or three uh, conservatives watching the polls at these various locations in 2020, if you think there's going to be two or three people there in 2024, no. There's going to be mobs of people outside, and if they try to pull this, hey, we're stopping the counting for the night, this business about what we saw at the, um, was it State Farm Center? Oh, everybody, we're, we're stopped counting. I'll go home. They gone, Everybody gone? Bring them out. That's not going to happen again. Uh, so um, we'll see. We should be prepared for them trying something new. But we're going to need uh, the presidency and the Congress back in 2024. And then in two years, on day one, the president has to say we're going to standardize a, a fail-safe system of American elections. And um, even in, you know, even the border thing is like, is it, yes, it's everything's on fire. I know it, everything's burning. I'm not trying to say it's, everything's swell. It's not swell, it's terrible, and it's gonna get worse. But you, you do enough of this business where firefighters and policemen and, and, and hospital workers and pilots are, are quitting their jobs over being told to take a vaccine and meanwhile, three, four hundred thousand illegal aliens are coming over the border, completely unvaccinated. You can't get away with that forever. This is what I'm talking about. But you have to give it to them. It's if it's if it's what they're saying versus the ideal, perfect uh, solution, then we lose. If it's their plans versus our plans, then we win. So we'll see. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, and, and political animals as a Republican Party still not moving on election integrity at all. That's because the political party. Um, uh, the Republican Party, is useless. It's an it's a weapon for the last war. Since I gave you everything else on this, moving back to America, I might as well make the point on it. The reason I called the, that episode the second fleet is because the fleet that was sunk at Pearl Harbor could never have touched the Japanese in, in open ocean. Never. That fleet was obsolete. USS Arizona was commissioned in uh, October of 1916, it was pre-World War, pre-entry of the U.S. into World War One. It was slow, it was undergunned, it was underarmed, all of the fleet stuff, even the first carriers, Yorktown, Lexington Enterprise, they were obsolete compared to the Japanese carriers. The fleet that we had at Pearl Harbor went to the bottom of Pearl Harbor, and when they were able to um, to salvage them, and they salvaged almost all of them, when it came time for the drive to Japan, the battleships that had been at Pearl Harbor could not travel with the fleet. They would go on shore bombardment missions, but they couldn't travel with the fleet. They couldn't travel with the fleet because they were too slow. Too slow. Too undergunned, too underarmed. The fleet we built, this is my point... The fleet we built after Pearl Harbor was the fleet that beat the Japanese. The fleet that was there at Pearl Harbor could not have beaten the Japanese, and you didn't get to build the second fleet until you lost the first fleet. And that's exactly what I think is going to happen uh, in the culture war, that the society that we had on November 4th of 2020 was not up to defending this country against the leftist attack. It, It just wasn't. And so we're going to build a country that is going to be orders of magnitude more powerful than the one we had before. We're going to build a country that is going to be capable of defending against this kind of attack, which none of us saw coming. So, anyway, that's what that's about. Um, So, and and they're failing and they know it. And 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 the pop culture you, you you've heard this before. I'm not going to talk Star Wars again, other than to say that four or five years ago, when things were getting worse and worse and worse, and I could see that things were getting worse and worse and worse, I was listening to um, Doomcock. Hail Doomcock, uh, and he's reporting now that Kathleen Kennedy, who was the sponsor of the whole woke Star Wars trilogy, sponsor of Indiana Jones Five, where Indiana Jones is replaced by this willowy thin uh, British chick. Uh, Star Trek Discovery, all this stuff. She's apparently been fired. The that that trilogy with the Last Jedi is going to be written out of the history. Somebody like John Favreau is taking over. Favreau is wonderful. He's a guy who directed uh, <coughs> a lot of the um, MCU stuff, but he was the director of the first Iron Man, which is what made Marvel Marvel. And he loves Star Wars. Um, and everywhere on the pop culture, the pushback is rolling. And that means that the, the, that the society will follow in about a year or two, and then the politicians will probably follow in three or four years. But the Republican Party that we have now is like the fleet that we had at Pearl Harbor on December 6th. Been there for a long time, it's established. We think we can depend on it. It's obsolete, and the only way we're going to build something new is for that thing to go down and smoke and ruin. I'd love to tell you differently. It would be nice if it was true. But people aren't built that way. So, so much for the Republicans. Um, I don't think it's going to take a second party or a third party. I think that's pretty nearly suicide just because of... uh, we didn't, in other words, if I want to run this analogy into the ground, and that's what I do is run things into the ground, if I was to run the analogy into the ground, I would say that we did build that second fleet, which was completely unlike the first fleet that we lost, but we didn't go sink everything else in the fleet either. You know, It's not like we had to destroy every other ship. If it was still afloat, we used it. And that's how I think it's going to go with, um, with, the, with the Republicans. Hey, there's our friend again. Look at that. Good to see you, Julius. Df. Rss says I have a question. My home country of Lithuania has a mass migrant problem from, Bel. Excuse me, from Belarusians using them as weapons and sending them to us. My army wants to recall me from inactive reserves and deploy me to protect the borders. Problem is I am currently in U.S. Army. My question is: Should I stay in the U.S.A. or go back and help my home nation in distress? There's one answer to this question, uh, Julius. Uh, which is your home country? And when I say that, believe me, uh, believe me, uh, I'm not being flip. I deal with this with my wife on a daily basis. Uh, um, she had to postpone her citizenship uh, interview. She's feeling pretty crummy the last couple of days. She's fine now. Um, so we'll, that will probably happen within the next 30 days. But uh, part of the citizenship oath is you renounce loyalty to, um, to other countries. I know that, if I, if I remember correctly, you're not a citizen yet, but you are in the United States Army, and as far as I'm concerned, uh, one term of service in the military of this country is automatic citizenship. As far as I'm concerned, instant automatic citizenship. Second, you are honorably discharged after your first term or after your first uh, – after your first term is up, whether you leave or not, that's it. Welcome. You are. You, you have earned it. Um, but in terms of saying, well, should I go back to my country and defend, you know, help my home? Where's your home? You know, uh, when Natasha um, often compares things from Russia to here, and when she went back to Russia for three weeks, a month and a half ago, uh, she was, you know, worried, nervous, she hadn't been back in Russia in five years, hadn't seen her mom in seven, and I said, honey, you know, the nice thing about this is you get to go home both ways. That's great. You don't have to give up your Russian citizenship. You, you get to go home both ways. You don't have to make a decision. Uh, I don't uh, pretend to give you advice on something that's important. But if if the only thing that would get me to go back would be if my family was in uh, immediate uh, you know, deadly peril and there was simply no other way, that might be enough to do it. But but generally, men, if if there's not anybody there who's who's um, who you need to personally go back and rescue, then. Uh, I would say two things. First of all, one of the reasons this country's here in the first place was to get away from all of these European wars that never end. Uh, and, um, and the second thing is uh, we need patriots in the military now more than ever, uh, more than ever. Um, yeah, good, um, you're very welcome, Julius. I'm glad to have you here, and, uh, and there you go. We were talking a second ago about, um, you know, the, building the second fleet that would defeat these people, an entirely new uh, set of cultural tools to defend ourselves against this cultural assault. And a number of people in the comment sections have been saying for the last couple of minutes, I said we don't need to sink everything just because it was there before, the, didn't go down at Pearl Harbor, it doesn't we have to go destroy it. And people have been saying, yeah, there's a few people we should we should keep and, you know, um, uh, Crenshaw's name came up. Uh, 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 Ted Cruz's name is in there. Uh, DeSantis is a, a, a astonishing, um, and uh, and yeah, you don't have to throw those people away. the The problem isn't Cruz and DeSantis. Rand Paul, of course, yes. Rand Paul has been Rand Paul has been, I think, the the, the single greatest. Uh, thing. Um, Rand Paul uh, is not letting Fauci go. God bless Rand Paul. Um, So, uh, you know, there's there's a handful of people. Trey Gowdy is my favorite politician. He's not in politics anymore, but I, I would love to talk him into it. Uh, and now we've got, you know, the governor of Virginia. I have to tell you, I, I like the lieutenant governor of Virginia better than I like the Virginia governor, and I like him quite a bit. I don't know much about him, but um, but his lieutenant governor is former Marine. This woman is basically saying to the, all the people that are calling her out, she's saying, I'll come on your show and I'll kick your ass. You know, you want to debate? You want to call me all these names? Why am I back? Why don't you have me on your show? And talk about it then. The, the idea that a black woman holding an AR-15 got elected is really really important and not only important but it is that's what you need to beat these people that's what you need it goes back to what i said in 2012 in that that speech where i said the next president's going to come from the pop culture romney lost in 2012 because he was running away from who he was you know she shouldn't be saying, well, I'm not really that rich. No, I have $150 million, and I've earned any penny. I didn't put a gun to people's head and take their money against their will. That's the government's job. It's what Democrats do. People gave me that money willingly because I provided a service. Nobody trades down. you got to own this kind of thing. Um, Trump owns it. Rush was a master of it. Rush Limbaugh was a, just so morally clear. Um, but Rand is... Rand is great uh, he's just he's just a bulldog um, I have met him in person and he does not have a tremendous aura about him he's not um, he's not I don't know there's a quality in in presidents that he doesn't seem to have uh, but then again then again uh, the current guy in the office. Uh, is uh, you know negative charisma it's going to be interesting and i'm going to go with what i almost said i censored myself at the last second but i'll uncensor myself it's going to be fun watching uh, biden get worse and worse and worse and it's going to be fun trying to decide when they're going to uh, do their 25th amendment shuffle I thought originally that this was going to happen quite early. In fact, I thought it, uh, when, when, when it was clear that this election Travis, he wasn't going to be overturned, I thought that Biden would be president for six months. It's going to be a lot longer than that. And, and the reason it's going to be a lot longer than that is that, is that Kamala Harris is, is significantly less popular than Joe. And Joe is not popular and gets more unpopular every day. So I think they were saying, hey, great, we'll just put them in there, get elected, fool all the rubes, and then we'll just do the big switch And now I think they realize we don't want to do the switch because if we do the switch, it's going to actually be worse. And, um, and that woman is just, yeah. Marisha said that she's got, she does. She has record disapproval of Vice President. Vice President's numbers usually don't have quite the swing because they don't have quite the exposure. She's at 28% or something. And that's because nobody's really seen her. Wait till, um, wait till. She is. She's gonna be the next president. Okay. All right. This is what happened. This is, yep. Yeah, they flew over and they bombed the living crap out of everything, and everything's on fire. And I'd love it if it wasn't true, but it is. So, that's what's gonna happen. But wait till um, there's a crisis. And they have that, that. Constant pathological laughter or or wait till she tries to talk to the country about some major 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 problem That has to be dealt with and goes into that You know that that talking to the kids about space kind of thing, you know, oh, are you gonna see? There, there's no there there. There's nothing there. She is an appeasement machine She's the appeasement bot 9,000 all she knows how to do is try to make people feel comfortable and um this is what it takes. Be nice if it weren't true. Yeah, uh, Marisha says we need to find the equivalent of, um, the Harris equivalent of Let's Go Brandon. I have no doubt it will reveal itself in the fullness of time. Uh, it's, um, we did a we did a right angle on that too. Uh, I think Steve uh, Steve's right angle was that this thing is just really, really getting to them, really getting to them. They're talking about making it illegal now. Good. The whole point of Let's Go Brandon is that what we want to say has been censored uh, by you people before. So by all means, by all means, uh, keep keep the censorship up. Um, th- th- their offensive will fail. It's been a tremendous success, but it's out of steam. And and once it's out of steam, it's over. Uh, so there you go. Um, all right, uh, I, I, I'm going to continue to uh, deal with the, um, the questions at BillWhittle.com members first. I'll take a quick look. I can't do a lot tonight because um, I've got uh, a little editing to do and I've got a conversation with uh, um, uh, Prince Alfonso, Sweet Prince. Uh, uh, and uh, and then we got to move on with this whole... Thing. But um, I was real happy with that, with that animation thing. Alright, here's BillWhittle.com There's that smug bastard staring at me with his smug look. I can't stand that guy. Uh... Hello, Bill Whittle. Hello, Billwittle.com. I got here. my member for? Him? Stratus for Lounge questions. And more. Here's even more questions for Bill. Let's see what we got in here. Oh, wow. OK. Hang on. Uh, good. Good. Great. Okay, fantastic. Let's uh, let's deal with these, and then if we have any anything left, we'll go to uh, we'll go to um, Meta. Somebody asked me in the comments about what do I think about Meta. Uh, I don't. You know, when when Google became Alphabet, that was weird. But of all the things I've seen, really, I think one of the most remarkable things I've seen. and I don't know why we're not using. It's like, you know, we're just so hopeless at this. We're just. Uh, speaking as a as a movement, as a, just as the conservative movement, there are so many just powerful weapons that they just leave lying on the ground. And one of the pointiest ones, maybe not the most powerful one, but but the pointiest one is, why did Google remove don't be evil from their corporate um, mission statement? If I, was, if I had a stage, I would, I would run with that ball, and I would, it would be a 99-yard return for the touchdown, 109-yard return from the touchdown, back of the end zone, spike the ball kind of thing. How do you not run that thing into the ground and just never put it down? Uh, why? Hey, okay, well, if we're all just a bunch of crazy people imagining all this stuff, then why is it that Google removed Don't be evil from their mission statement. What does that tell you? What does that tell you? I know what it tells me. Um, Anyway, let's have a look here. So uh, we got a question from Marusha Dark here. Hey, how about that? Uh, Bill, have you ever watched The Legend of Korra? If not, I highly recommend it, along with Avatar, The Last Airbender. There's a character named Kuvira who's called the Great Uniter. She's basically a soldier who starts off charismatic, patriotic, moral, beloved by all, she originally, uh, like uh, the emperor, beloved by all. Uh, the emperor protects. Uh, she originally uh, fought alongside the heroes, saved the protagonist's father, and united the country against lawlessness. But she takes her nationalist ideology too far and becomes a right-wing authoritarian dictator. He said last week we were in Operation Michael, phase of World War One. Did I say that last week? My God, this is just nothing but a broken record now. After three hundred and four episodes or something. Uh, if this is World War One, then doesn't that imply a Hitlerian? figure is in our future, in part brought about by the absolute victory of World War One, or shall I say, Culture War I, and the crushing terms of Versailles. Interesting. He said you're optimistic we can win against the left, and I don't doubt that, but I'm concerned about what comes after that, about the pendulum swinging too far in the other direction. I foresee such a charismatic figure arriving in U.S. politics in the near future as a reaction to the left's current anarchy. First, it'll be great, as if things are getting back to normal, but then it'll take it too far and we'll be along for the ride because it's super subtle. Just like the show, just like in the show, or like how it was for the Nazis. And no, I don't mean like Joe Biden or Daniel Andrews or Gavin Newsom. I mean someone who starts off like a Rand Paul or a Tulsi Gabbard, true fighter for good, and then becomes corrupted and despotic after a few years in of office. And I'm gonna leave that one there. Um, that's the that's the guts of it. There's a saying that used to make the rounds that said that um, uh, that fascism is always hovering over America and always manages to land in Europe. Um, And I think the the main takeaway of that is there's an ongoing political cliche, and we keep buying into it. And it's like one of those things like sanctuary cities. Uh, As I've said, if you have a discussion about sanctuary cities, you lose the discussion cuz everybody loves the idea of sanctuary who's who's against sanctuary if you call it a sanctuary city you've lost it's not it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an illegal it's a it's a camp of illegal criminals in the united states now you now you're dealing with the with the thing but the but the thing i was referring to this cliche is that left-wing is communism and right-wing is conservatism. They will say that, well, the the, the communists were left-wing and the Nazis were right-wing, therefore conservatives are are Nazis because we're both right-wingers. The the opposite of communists isn't Nazis, it's individuals. Uh, It's individualism. Uh, i don't remember who said it it might have been dinesh d'souza it might have been um mark stein it's 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 been out there no it was i think it was greenberg i think it was jonah greenberg who said that the difference between communism and nazism is like the difference between coke and pepsi this whole left wing and right wing thing comes from a european parliament it might have been the german reichstag where you had Um, More progressive people on one side, more conservative people on the other But they don't really apply to us, we just kind of go along with it Most of the time it doesn't hurt us But when they say that the communists were left-wingers and Nazis were right-wingers And we identify ourselves as the right Then we've just basically pointed ourselves into the fact that Well, I guess we're Nazis We should not fall into that trap Um, We should not be calling our economy a capitalist economy all of these things are, are, are psychological warfare that are built into the language from the left, and they put us at an enormous disadvantage right out of the gate. Uh, the The Nazis and the communists were the same thing. What's the difference between the Nazis and the communists, both in favor of of disarming the population, both with charismatic leaders, both with all-powerful states, both with powerful political parties, both suppressed any kind of uh, opposition, both of them committed mass murders, both of them locked up their opposition, both of them were about the idea of the state crushing the individual, all of these things they had in common, cult of personality, all of it. The Nazis and the communists were exactly the same, except that the uh, the Communists were, were, um, were class-based collectivists, and the Nazis were race-based collectivists. But that's it, they're the same. Modern conservatism is opposed to both of those things. We are opposed to both of them. Yes, Eric Blake points out something I, use, I, I say every chance I get. Nazi is short for National Socialist Deutschland Parte, something like National, National Socialist German Workers' Party. You can't spell Nazi. Without Socialist Workers Party, and and we keep walking into this trap, walking into it, um, and and you'll hear people say, oh, the the Nazis, the, the Nazis weren't socialists." I didn't name their party. I didn't name them the National Socialist Party. I didn't do it. He did it. So either. Hitler didn't understand what he was saying when, when he well, he didn't name the party. He was originally the Socialist Workers' Party, I think, and then he turned it into the National Socialist German Workers' Party. Maybe it was the German. It doesn't matter. Hitler added the National Socialist thing. And, and so one of two things is true. Either Hitler didn't understand what socialism meant when he said that we are socialists, or, and I think this is more likely, or adding socialists to the name of their political party, put a nice hard candy shell around the melt-in-your-mouth chocolate that was um, Nazism. In other words, he called himself a socialist so that people would feel good about this repressive collectivist nightmare. Sound familiar to you? Sounds familiar to me. But I didn't name them the National Socialist German Workers' Party, and likewise, I didn't name the communists the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. The communists called themselves socialists too. Everybody wants to call themselves socialists because socialism sounds so cool. But what they were in both those cases were they were just very simple camouflage for idiots who could then tell themselves well, socialism is just being fair. It's just being fair. It's sharing. It's sharing. How fair is it the, the the socialists are in favor of wealth redistribution. Ideally, most of these people who call themselves socialists be happy if everybody made the salary, right? Everybody had the same amount of money. Nobody gets richer than anybody else. Everybody's equal. And even if everybody's equal way down here, they'd rather have that than even the poor people be up here as long as the rich people weren't higher. But um, th- this is another trap we fall into. They say that socialism is just being fair. How is it being fair... To pay a guy who smokes joints all day, sits on the couch and plays video games, who works a a four-hour shift at 7-Eleven, how is it fair to pay pay him the same amount of money as you might pay some woman who's been studying to be a brain surgeon for for 15, 20 years, gave up their entire youth studies for 15, 20 hours a day, goes and serves as internships where they're on duty for 20 hours, you know, at, at a stretch? How is it fair that these two people make the same amount of money? It's disgustingly unfair. So... This is the thing that I learned mostly from Andrew Breitbart, who had had uh, an unmatched ear for this kind of thing. He could see those traps, and he could see them in real time. Uh, He just wouldn't bite. Famous story mentioned several times. He was on some show. Uh, some left wing show And he was on camera live And somebody said Here's a picture of a, of a of Barack Obama With a bone through his nose That was seen at a tea party rally What do you have to say about this And instead of him saying What any of us would have said Which is Well first of all um, I've never seen a sign like that And secondly if we saw this Well there are no racists he, he didn't even get on the table He just said Why are you asking me this Why aren't you asking your co-host this well, you're rep he said, I didn't make the sign. I don't know who made the sign. So why are you asking me about the sign? He wouldn't play the game. He wouldn't he wouldn't walk into that killbox. In February, it will be ten years since he's been gone. Uh, I'm glad he didn't live to see this. Uh, I'm not, actually. I'm not glad about that at all. And by the way, one final thing. Uh, if we're going to wallow in our capulance here, uh, I don't know how many times we saw people and continue to see on a daily basis. Um, I hope uh, this person dies of COVID. Um, I mean, when Trump got it, everyone was praying that Trump would die from COVID. Uh, whenever... Any conservative gets it. There are people saying, "I hope he dies from hope he dies from COVID. Hope he dies from COVID. Hope he hope he dies from COVID." On and on and on and on. I hear it all the time. Well, it turns out that Gavin Newsom uh, was very, 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 very sick as a result of the vaccine that he's forcing Californians to take. And uh, I mentioned this on the Virtue Signal with, Joe, with Zoe today. Uh, from a purely tactical point of view it's hard to imagine a bigger gift than having Gavin Newsom die not from COVID but from the vaccine if you've got problems with the vaccine that's as good as it gets the second I thought that I thought yeah but I don't want Gavin Newsom to die from the vaccine I really don't I don't I I didn't want Ruth Bader Ginsburg to die when she was sick I, I don't want any of them to die Um, But uh, Now hang on a minute Uh, Mr. Tomes Mrs. Tomes Tomes said uh, He'll be lucky to regain full motor control Are you talking about Gavin Newsom? Is that right? Yeah this, uh, This is what separates us from them The people who talk about How loving they are are filled with hate Just burning hate And we see it all the time and, um, and, and and they're just horrible people, and we're not. And by the way, I should have mentioned this at the beginning of the show. Um, the, the comments I got after that uh, Zoe episode with the Thousand Yard Stare, I mentioned it on the Virtue Signal today, but the comments I got uh, both on YouTube and, and uh, from people were beyond my imagination and just burned all of that crud right out of me. It, it, talking about it helped, but when I saw the response to that, I just couldn't believe it. Um, so, um, thank you for all of that, all of you. Thank you very much. Um, anybody realize if that... Are you talking about Newsom, or is that somebody else? who said he's like, like I just catch glimpses, you know? Because uh, I know he was very sick, very sick. He said he had to cancel going to the big climate conference because he wanted to be home for Halloween. Let's lie about everything, right? Lie about everything. You can't just come out and say, no, I had a really bad reaction to the vaccine. Can't say that. Lie, 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 lie. Um, Really? Really? Well, C.P. Tomes is saying that, um, that, uh, what is it? guillain Barr syndrome, julian Barr syndrome that, that Newsom apparently developed Is saying that he, he may have permanent loss of motor function or something I don't know yeah, he went missing for two weeks, nobody saw him he made an appearance at a incredibly big dinner for some violently rich uh, individual um uh is it Gilliam? Gilliam-Barr-Syndrome? Uh, and... Uh, wow. Guillaume, uh, says Mr. Masterson. It's from the Guillaume, as same as William. Uh, so... Um, it would be nice, the Gettys. That's right. It was a Getty uh, wedding. He made an appearance there. I would hope that um, that something like this um, would would have him reconsider his attitude about forcing people to take the shot. But I don't want him to die. Uh, and I never did. I never want any of our political opponents to die, you know. And and I, I just. I, I don't think they're joking when they say they want to see us dead. I mean, I really, I, I really, I know they do. There's just a lot of nasty, nasty people out there on the left, and um, and you know, it's things like this to make you know you're on the right team, right? Uh, somebody asked earlier. There were some discussions before we started the show about uh, Rittenhouse and the, the the verdict and stuff, but there was. Uh, a moment that I saw and I have not been following this closely at all but there was I just saw a a clip of it from I think from Mark Dice or something just before I came in and and the prosecutor is asking uh, Rittenhouse he said so you just why did you go over there why did you just go over there He because there was a fire (laughs) well what what made you decide that you had to go you know and put out the fire why did you decide you had to go do that he just looked at him like he was from Mars like because it's a fire, so you just decided to go put out a fire, huh? Why'd you do that? Because of the people in 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 the community. You don't even live in this community. My dad lives in this community. You know, it's like Guilain Gilles, Barre syndrome. In any event, um, there is, you know. I know I know which team I'm on. And, and I never, I can't think of one, I've been disappointed. All right, moving on, um, here's Brother Bob, new member. Hey, Brother Bob, glad to have you. Um, Bill, this is a different angle on the why do you live in LA question that you sometimes get asked. I understand that volcanologists live near the volcanoes, but what if the act of living near a volcano could trigger more eruptions of a more violent magnitude? This is an interesting line of uh, reasoning. To apply that analogy to your situation, by living and running your business in California, every state tax dollar you pay, whether via sales, payroll, gasoline, property, etc., is helping to support the corrupt regime that wants to export its ideology and destroy the rest of America. Do you not have a moral obligation to leave and move to a state where your tax dollars are being sp- are, are spent funding far less evil governments? Very, very interesting question, which I had not fully considered. Unless it sounds like I'm judging you, I'm in no position to do so. I've spent the last 15 years working as a contractor for the federal government and live in northern Virginia near the capital, so I am a genuine bona fide swamp creature. No judgment from this guy. Brother Bob. Thank you, Bob. Um, you know, um, (sighs) I don't know what it is, uh, I didn't answer Marisha's question, which was how do we unite conservatives without becoming the great uniter? I'm sorry. To ra- I'll come right back to you, Bob. The reason I went through that whole tirade about the Nazis is because is because the argument is okay, so the Treaty of Versailles meant you had militaristic Germans and then the Treaty of Versailles brought you Hitler. And the point I was trying to make is we're not cut from that cloth. We're not cut from that cloth. I, I The 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 right is not the right wing of Europe. The people who are opposed to the progressives in this country are the kind of people who are opposed to collectivism in general. So they're they're not going to become tyrants, and if they do, then they get booted by their own people. This is the this is the point I was trying to make. There was nothing right wing about Nazis, and there was nothing right wing about the, the, the culture that Hitler came from. At least not as we understand the term so if the argument is that uh, that, the, that you had a, a, a populist who became a tyrant he became a tyrant out of the material that he was made from um, so uh, we just just not built that way and and and, and I don't think it, certainly it would look tyranny will fly in America all I have to do is look out the window but it is opposed by most of the people in this country, and, and it is certainly opposed by the uh, idea of this country. And, and I don't see anybody um, riding to power on, on a tyrannical platform that's not on the left, because the right is opposed to it. Um, anyway, uh, back to the question of why I'm still here. I think it just comes from, you know, 20 some years in Florida. But when I got off the plane, uh, I just felt at home here. It's air conditioned outdoors. It's the most beautiful place in the world. There's no other weather like it on the planet. Uh, I get to have this fabulous hair if I live in California. If I lived in Florida, I'd be back to this uh, pom pom uh, that I used to have stapled to my head. Now, That may sound very vain, but I'm a a very vain guy. Um, It is rapidly becoming very, very difficult to live here. Uh, And there are lines that Natasha and I have agreed upon that um, we're not going to cross. For a period of about 24 hours there, I had misread a federal a federal mandate I had misread this the mandates real and it's there I had misread it and I thought that this mandate had said that you cannot go and apply you cannot go for your citizenship interview that's called the N 400 interview you send in this form called the N 400 when you are ready to become a US citizen you have got your green card you ticked off all the boxes You go in, you are interviewed one-on-one, you're asked your citizenship questions there, and so on. That's the N-400 interview. And I had read uh, through our uh, immigration attorneys, just a sort of a genuine, a general um, distribution, that the federal government has decreed that as of October 1st, 2021, you had to be vaccinated in order to get the medical exam or something. And I took that to mean that you had to be vaccinated in order to become a U.S. citizen. That's what I thought it meant. And when I told Natasha that, then she just said, all right, F it, I'll stay on the green card. I said, all right. Yeah, me too. Works for me. Um, As it turns out, that tyrannical rule is still in place. And moving to Florida doesn't solve that, by the way. This is a federal issue. What I had misconstrued about that was we had crossed that bar before it was too late. What that actual mandate says is that if you are... After October 1st, 2021, you cannot apply for a green card unless you've been vaccinated. Because as part of the naturalization as a legal alien, not 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 the citizenship thing, you have to pass a medical exam. And they will not give you the medical exam without you being vaccinated. So. If you're coming in and you do not have your green card now, you will not get one until you've uh, taken the, the jab. And when I thought that was the case with my wife and told her this, she said, no. And then she, she, she went straight to the point of it, which is I thought the whole point of being a citizen of this country was to fight this kind of thing. I said, honey, you just passed with an A. You got a flying A, A plus, exactly, Um. Exactly. Uh, Why would you want to be an American citizen, if in order to become an American citizen, you had to undergo an act of obedience? That meant that somebody is injecting something into your body that you don't want there. How? What's? Why would you do that? Her instincts were so spot on, perfect. Uh. Now, as it turns out, that was a, that was mistaken. Uh, and our immigration attorney went further. She said, as I understand it, you do not need to, to be vaccinated in order to become, in order to go for the N-400 interview. You just have to attest that you have not been in contact with somebody who's shown to be HIV, uh, HIV uh, COVID-19 positive in the last 14 days. Okay. And then she said, now, You cannot go into an L.A. city building without being vaccinated, but the N-400 interview is conducted in a federal building, and so you can do that. So, when you deal with things like that, uh, California gets less and less attractive, and we are now in a situation which again I, I encouraged i find is very encouraging as of november 8th in the city of los angeles in the city of los angeles you are not allowed to i mentioned this yes i'm, I'm glad broke college student put out i think i mentioned this last last show city of los angeles says that you cannot enter a restaurant and and dine indoors unless you have been vaccinated um They've made exemptions for lepers like me. Uh, we, for most of the lockdown, you weren't allowed inside the restaurant at all. They had outdoor seating. You can go to a restaurant and sit outdoors if they have outdoor seating without being vaccinated. You still have to wear your mask when you walk in and when you walk out. Uh, but you're not allowed to eat indoors. Uh, last week and since then as well, I have been to two or three restaurants, and no one has asked that question. No one, not a sign up, nothing. And uh, and I am so proud of that. Uh, I called. I think this happened after the show. I, I know the guy. I, I go to this uh, to this chicken wings place probably once or twice a week. And. Um, and I didn't want to go there just to be turned away. So after the show last, last week, I, this vaccine passport thing was in effect. And I've talked to the owner a couple times. And I said, hey, and it turned out he picked up the phone. Hey, hey how's it going? Hey, listen, I was thinking about coming to by. Are you um are you going to be enforcing this vaccine uh, passport thing? He said, no. We're on our way. Um, so, uh Obviously, I'm not going to live in a state where I can't go to movies or restaurants or anything like that without taking a knee to these people. Uh, but what I'm seeing is that um, is that regular people are not. It's it's what is it the. The, the Pope's bull against the comet. A papal bull is a papal proclamation. There was a comet in the sky. Comets used to have always been associated with catastrophes. And apparently the Pope wrote an order telling the comet that it had to leave. Uh, the comet uh, was unavailable for comment. Uh, and so this is kind of what it's starting to look like. You've made a proclamation? Yes. Is it law? Fantastic. Come and arrest all of us. Um... So uh, that's encouraging. But needless to say, if if they say that no, you can't do anything unless you, unless you take this vaccine, then 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 we're leaving. Um, uh, I don't know where we'll go, uh, but we'll go somewhere. Uh, I don't think it's going to come to that. Uh, but if it did, then we would split. Uh, as far as the feeding the beast thing goes, um, that's a more disturbing uh, prospect. On the other hand, you know, it's uh, somebody's got to somebody's got to provide the social proof, and I don't mean just through BillWhittle.com. I just mean out there on a daily basis. I think if it was anywhere, I think it would be Texas. I think I'd be like, I'd be like, I'd be the guy behind Elon Musk's trailer. Uh, Put SpaceX in Texas. He's moving Tesla to Texas. Texas is gaining so many corporations. uh, The 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 reason I think if I moved it would be to Texas because if this thing hits critical mass and it's heading there fast, then then Texas is out of the union. And if there's one state that can get out of the union, it's Texas. My understanding is that for 150 years or something, the first vote of the Texas legislature, which meets for two weeks every other year, California takes two weeks off every other year. The rest of the time they're busy writing laws telling us what to do. But my understanding was that for, for a long, long time, the, it was required that the first vote that the Texas, had, sl- Texas legislature had to agree on before they could do anything else was whether or not they would stay in the United States, whether or not they would remain in the Union. If anybody knows if that's true or not, that would be great, but I've also heard that they don't do that anymore, so so there's that. But um, look, if, if everybody, uh, if all the producers go to Texas, then, um, you know, then let me rephrase this. If Texas were to go out of the union, I'd be in Texas tomorrow. I would be in Texas tomorrow. That's how bad uh, this federal government has got. Eric Blaise says, yeah, Texas is the only state that can legally secede. It's it's in the original contract that brought Texas into the Union. That's exactly how I recalled it. And that's, of course, because of all 50 states, the only one of them that was its own nation prior to entering uh, the United States was Texas. Um, So... uh, You know, the fun thing about that, you know, everybody talks about the divorce and the great divorce and all the rest of it. Uh, If Texas were to leave the union, I predict that within five years, uh, Texas would have a greater GDP than the rest of the United States, Within, within 20 years without question. So let's say 10. If Texas were to leave the union and basically say we essentially have no state tax we are not going to enforce all of these tyrannical things, uh, then we are the Republic of Texas. Okay. Uh, Texas has something that's essential if you're going to actually go off on your own, critical, really, and that is it has uh, access to the water, it's got a significant coastline. Um, it's, it's virtually impossible to imagine a, a, a modern state that is landlocked. If you tr- just try to imagine taking Kansas out of the Union. How do you get there? How do you get out? Um, so, uh, so there's that. I like Dallas very much. I thought Dallas was really clean, modern. My wife loves modern cities, so she's not really digging L.A. too much, which is... Getting to be more like Mogadishu really than anything else. Uh, but if everybody's rushing to Texas, then why not just do it and make the case, right? The left is convinced that we're the trouble, that we're the problem, it should make them happy that all the gun nuts move to Texas. We'll take our trivialities like engineering skills and math and stuff like that to Texas, and California can run without those things. I actually have a hope, and I, I'm, I'm relatively certain I'm not going to live to see this, but it's not even a hope. It's just it's an inevitability. I think what's going to happen to California is, is it gentrification? Or is it degentrification? In Miami, the coolest buildings by far in, in Miami, around Miami Beach... Miami Beach um, started serious construction during the Art Deco period. And so there's some viciously cool, viciously cool little uh, buildings that are extremely elegant and stylish on Miami Beach. So they were the top buildings. Then people started fleeing Miami Beach for whatever reason. And then when I was first in Florida, when I first got to Florida, um, Miami Beach's Deco hotels were all, and I mean all of them, were retirement homes, and you'd drive down, I don't know if Phil's still watching, but I think Phil was one who said it was God's waiting room. Somebody said that. Maybe, maybe it was Horkheimer, but in any event, when I first got there, and for the first 10, 15 years I was in Florida, you would drive down, um, what is it, A1A, and All of these deco hotels were just in state of disrepair. And out on the front porch area, there were just rows and rows of deck chairs. And the retired people would just go sit there. And the joke was, they would just sit there waiting for the next one to die so they could all move up a row. Uh, But they they were not good. And then finally, all of a sudden, and I don't know how this happens. Then Miami Beach got super hot. And I was working in nightclubs in Miami Beach. When it started to happen, uh, right in the early 80s, right around the time of Miami Vice, Miami Beach suddenly got very cool and people suddenly realized, my God, these incredible buildings and they cost nothing because the money has left a long time ago. All of these buildings have fallen into disrepair. So we can get them for a song and with a little elbow grease, we get them not only back to what they were, we get them to something cooler. And I kind of think that's what's going to happen to California. Uh, California... Oh, it was Horkheimer. Thank you, Phil. Yeah, Horkheimer said that that that, 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 that those lines of old people was uh, God's waiting room. Um, but I think that's what's going to happen to California. All the money and all of the people that make things work are going to leave. It's going to fall into a state of absolute decay. When it falls apart, the property values will be so low that suddenly young people will move in there and snatch it up, and it'll just... Boink, just come right back again. I don't know. Uh, I, I, you know, it's uh, on some level... Um, uh, uh, Jamold keeps asking, did the uh, questions from the previous thread get skipped? They might have been. I'll go looking for yours in a second. Um, I don't know. Uh, the, uh... I don't want to leave. I like it here. But it is getting more and more miserable, and, and as and many people pointed out after that uh, last week, um, that 1,000-yard stare bill uh, had uh, – it is a toxic environment, and, and, it, and it, it hits us in a constant, um, in a constant, uh, in a constant way. Uh, Marisha says, Bill, if we leave the blue states, we lose the moral right to tell illegals to stay and fix their home countries. Actually, I don't think we do. Uh, We um, are leaving and entering Texas legally. We're not sneaking in. And uh, if that argument were true, then there'd be no argument for leaving Britain or Russia or Germany or Italy, wherever else you came from. Let me go back to to the previous thread, and I'm going to look for your question there, because we are a full-service organization here. Mmm. Jamul. Let's see if it's there. Should I be looking for a different different uh, name? Uh let's see, this is it. Green. Sarah Greenberg. Uh, what i I'm looking. Uh, Lumley, this was the one we took a look at last time. This was a very, very long issue. Uh, 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 If it it turns out that I missed a question, uh, if you wanna put it into the live stream, if you can, I will try and get to it. I got about um, 20 minutes left or a little bit less. So back to the ones for this week. Um, David Curtis, question for Bill. Interested in your take as a pilot, if you were getting ready to take off with a load of passengers heading to Kansas City, Tulsa, Memphis, or Springfield, would you able to resist the temptation to say to the passengers, let's go to Branson? <laughs> uh, um, I try to get them all Uh, old I really do, uh, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think the, the safe bet would be if you didn't get your question answered on um, one week just repost it again uh the the i have a a lot of um needless to say i have a big obligation to the members with that said the stratosphere lounge has been here practically before there was membership so this has always been kind of a sort of an open table kind of thing so i kind of go back and forth here um but uh this one isn't a members only show uh I I certainly do try to get to them first, but I've certainly been very, very um, very bill about that. Uh, I don't think I'd be able to resist the temptation to say, let's go to Branson. I think I'd be forced to say that, to spin this in a slightly more serious direction. I don't think I would say, let's go, Brandon. And the reason I don't think I would say it is because... The pilot's opinion is not relevant to the passengers of the plane, their political opinion. Uh, I don't like it when the left does it, and uh, I don't like it um, when uh, when we do it. Now, they've certainly been poking us long enough. I don't think kids should hit each other, but if you're sitting on the back seat of the car and your brother keeps poking you, poking you, poking you, poking you, poking, you finally reach around and smack him, and then he says, you know, Mom, you hit me. Sometimes you get into the place of, you know, you were asking for it. Uh, Oh, John Pershing has this question. Hey, Bill, I joined back in January with the election being stolen. I hope as a member I can contribute to the Moving Back to America plan in some way. In previous episodes of the Stratosphere Lounge, I've heard that you play Star Citizen. It got me wondering, have you played Elite Dangerous? And if so, how does it compare to Star Citizen? Uh, I stopped playing Star Citizen about two years ago, maybe a little bit more. Um... For a number of reasons, uh, most of which had to do with it being just a time sink. Uh, Yeah, since you asked. Um, Somewhere around the time I stopped, like I said, a little around two years ago, something like that. And thanks for repeating that question, John. So Star Citizen is is this um, space game that's uh, raised 400 million dollars maybe a little more and in 2022 they'll been developing it for 10 years and uh and it's still in a really buggy off of you go to an elevator and you die you walk downstairs and you die You try and get in your spaceship and you die Uh, to answer your question about i've not played elite by the way because like i said the time sink right now i'd be playing a lot of dcs i've been i've been jonesing real hard for dcs lately uh, real, real, real hard, but I just can't do it. I got to get this animation done. Um, but uh, somewhere around two years ago, I think I about two years ago, there was two thousand. Was it two thousand and eighteen? I think so. The two thousand and eighteen Citizen Con was in Texas. I went to that, and I thought, man, this is awesome. I had spent some money on ships and all the rest of it, and then they keep releasing quarterly updated patches, and then. As as we got into 2019, I'm watching these patches, and all of the things that they'd been promising, and they'd been promising things for five or six years, start disappearing from the roadmap, and replaced with stuff that was childish and easy. I remember very clearly there was one update when we were looking forward to the ability to salvage spaceships on the next patch, and they took it took salvage away. And replaced it with um, harvesting. Now you can go around and, and pick up little plant modules. And I said, that's not a fair swap. And then some other major thing uh, went out the window. And was replaced with oh, now we have a prison that you can go to. And 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 the game rules for putting you in prison. You know, if if somebody, if you're shooting at somebody and somebody flies in front of your bullets, then you go to prison. I just said it's not interesting for me anymore. It's not going to do it. Um, uh and and the more that this has continued the clearer it's become to me this 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 star citizen is actually not only not going anywhere it's it's going backwards and and I've been uh, spending a fair amount of time on a reddit called uh, star citizen refunds which can be a little vicious but it, it's really amazing how people simply cannot see that this isn't working. It's not going to work. They've just admitted it's not going to work. The whole pitch was you know, tens of thousands, million players all on the same server, and we're talking about all of the stuff we're going to do as an org, and we're going to have fighter wings, we're going to protect this, we're going to have shipping things, all of these things. All of the things that made the game interesting. It's not going to happen. Uh, it's not. The technology is simply not there. And, and, They're building this code upon bugs and the bugs just keep multiplying and bugs that you think should have been eliminated five years ago game-killing bugs they just keep popping up things like the like the harvesting thing just get taken away as well now with that said it's beautiful and I spent a significant amount of money on it and and I've I've gotten my money's worth driving around with friends in a rover looking at these planets I got my money's worth on it but again, since you asked, Chris Roberts disappeared, the guy who was behind the game, disappeared for a year, maybe more. And and I'm convinced that it occurred to him that, uh, that it wasn't going to happen and that he had basically um, screwed the $400 million pooch. Uh, so, in answer to your question, um, it's still a, a beautiful game. It's still... Uh, I, I got... I got a lot of enjoyment out of it. put Hundreds of hours, probably thousands of hours into it. Uh, but in the two years that I've gone, the only thing that's been added to see is a gas giant planet, and and that doesn't look particularly good. It's just another little tiny little um, outpost to explore, and uh, and and I just got tired of of the the you know the. The endless uh, promises that that just are not going to be able to reach. Uh, uh, Marisha said, I just got an alarming unsolicited text from the government about COVID. Can I send it to you to see it? Uh, Sure, but you don't have to. I got a text from the government here in California not long ago saying, what's your vaccination status? Are you fully vaccinated? Two doses? Unvaccinated? Don't know. I guess I somehow forgot to reply to that. Don't answer it. Don't answer it. Uh, It's like any other kind of thing You know, it's funny that that came up Because I think earlier today I was driving around thinking I will never, ever, ever make another political donation in my life I think I sent somebody a hundred bucks I I sent Donald Trump a hundred bucks No, what was it? It was something, something happened It It was something like on the moment Anyway, I did it, I did it one time and i have never stopped being texted i get there was a time when i was getting 25 30 texts a day hey it's um it's it's donald trump hey it's uh it's it's uh you know just you know it's like oh really uh, you know it's like hey it's um it's okay it's not and um and I don't uh and you don't answer them they want the answer they would they if you respond they know they've got somebody there uh somebody's pointed out that some that, that that we've all heard about the you know the Nigerian scammers most of them come from uh India now um but uh Everybody knows how bad those pitches were. The English was wrong, and the punctuation was weird. It's like, how can anybody fall for this? I found out later that they do that on purpose, that that, that they make... They, that anybody who would answer that is gullible enough to perhaps have money taken out of them. There's a guy who's got a, a YouTube channel, and all he does is, um, is catch scammers. He's awesome. He gets them on the phone... He, he does this, he runs this thing through a voice modifier, so he sounds like a little old lady. They're hacking into his computer, but he's got all these firewall ups. What he's really doing is hacking into their, their computers and he's deleting all of their contacts. He's deleting everything. Is it scammer payback? It's awesome. It's awesome. And the, 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 the cherry on the top is this guy's just normal American young guy, you know. And, and so you hear these scammers speaking in, in, in Hindi or, or whatever and he speaks it so he he can tell what exactly what they're saying and after they've been talking behind his back talking about this, this stupid old woman and so on and so on and so on he says then he'll say why did you have um, why did you have your friend uh, you know Jamal call me a a, 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 a lunatic Yes, Yes, you did you called me a blah, blah, blah. you said blah, blah, blah. he just recites the hindi back and it's like oh man awesome um, so, uh, anyway, um, uh, yeah, that's about it, uh, as far as that goes. Uh, something about living in California. All right, it's uh, ten minutes to eight. Uh, I got a conference call coming up right. around eight, right about at eight. And so I'm going to wrap this show up because we're going to play the animation one more time. And for those of you watching on YouTube, I know this is frustrating and that's entirely my evil plan. I really do want people waiting for this thing, and um, and if you wanna know how it's gonna roll out, just back up to the beginning of the show if you didn't see it. If you're one of the 71 people currently watching live, however, uh, I'll close the show out and then don't go anywhere. Uh, Once we stop recording, we'll play it one more time, and uh, for those of you who came in late, you get a chance to see it. Members will be seeing it again, uh, have access to it soon, and then after that, uh, oh, my God, first-time chat for viewer. Jeff Mark says, make them wait. Jeff, I wanted you to turn the, your, your – uh, uh, I wanted you to not be watching this. I was going to – Jeff is one of the people i got to talk to in 10 minutes. And, um, and I wanted to watch you watch it. I wanted to watch Zoe watch it. Zoe hasn't seen it yet either. Uh, so I guess I have to satisfy with that. We're going to have a conference call with, uh, with Jeff and, um, and Zoe and set up the time for the table read. Um, and I need to plug the Discord as well. We have a Discord, and all you have to do is go to uh, discord.gg and then type in th- I'll say I'll say a letter and I'll say capital letter. Just type in discord.gg forward slash three t eight capital D C capital X R Z Z capital G, and you will be right there, ready to go. Um, I've talked to Doomcock a couple times. I'm I'm trying to lock it up. He's been busy, and I'm hoping to do it uh, next week. I very much want to get him to be the voice in Chapter Two of this, for the evil voice of the castle. And there you go. All right. Um, so again, thanks, uh, thanks to our members who make the show possible, and uh, and for all of you that joined us a year ago, thank you again. Uh, uh, it's it's deeply appreciated as always, and um, and I suppose we will see you right here next week, uh, right here on the Stratosphere Lounge. Okay, see you then. Bye.